Kenobi for you. That's for those of you who are wondering what that really groovy tune is. It's one of my favorites. Moonlight and Mescaline. I know Moonlight very well. Not Mescaline though. And I don't think that, uh, I think that the, uh, the time of my life, the window is closed anyway. But I will listen to the song over and over again very very chill one uh welcome welcome ladies and gentlemen to the evening it's the pre-show it is may 20th 2022 this day five years ago i uh i i was hanging out right now i was hanging out with uh my boys with the uh my groomsmen and i don't know just watching the sun go down watch uh early evening turn to all right, guys, I guess we better all just get home and uh, get some shut-eye. And then that got turned into... That got turned into me sitting in bed alone. Very weird night. It's one of those weird nights where you sleep with a hoodie on. I slept on top of the covers with a hoodie on. And I, I don't know how I fell asleep. But it was just one of those nerve-wracking nights. But a lot of great things. Because the next morning... The guys would show up again. My buddy Sebastian would come by. He would start taking pictures of everything. And we all had a little bit of uh, whiskey in our coffee. And everybody's making, you know, making breakfast. And uh, we're putting our tuxedos on. And and that was that. Went off. Went off and had a just a glorious day. And I can still smell the entire day. It was just perfect. And... Um, and that's what I'll be concentrating on this weekend. I have some great stuff for here t- tonight. I have a little I have to do that just popped up that uh, brought up some, I don't know, aggressive feelings inside of me. But for the rest of the show, I believe it's pretty chill. And I, I think I, I have some really nice parting shots to leave you with at the end of the episode, which will be around 8.30 or so. I want to remind everybody that I have a... I have a Session 5 book club stream after this. I'll be going live like maybe 5 to 10 minutes after this. I go live on QuiteFrankly.tv and DLive. So if you're watching at any of those two places and you've been reading along with Malachi Martin's Windswept House, then you are in the right place already. Timothy Gordon is not going to be with us tonight. It is just going to be me by my lonesome. So it won't be as long because I won't have anybody to bounce off of. But I have the thread that everybody can go into. I can read your entries into the thread. And it's not, I mean, I mean, there's only a, a few entries right now. But still, I have more than enough to let everybody know where we've been in the book and where we're going. And I also would like to say congratulations to Timothy and Stephanie Gordon, who just welcomed baby number seven to the world today so that is uh that is the reason for his absence tonight and i don't know if he'll be able to catch up i don't know if he will be able to catch up at all at this point i mean we're only a couple hundred pages away from finishing this really fascinating book so um we'll see but that's the the, the most important thing is congratulations to the gordons and wonderful wonderful news i want to thank my sponsors tonight secret nature cbd Right here, 
Secret Nature CBD. Tonight, I'm puffing on Papaya Nights, a sativa. That's right. High in the CBD, very, very low in the THC. It does not get you high. It is full-spectrum CBD, so whether or not you're taking it, you're, you're smoking it to be a little bit more social, to be, have a little bit more of that, that, blanketed, uh, that blanket effect of just feeling easy and, and nervous system has just settled down to another level there. You can pair it with your Tai Chi, pair it with your Qigong. Just pair it with whatever the hell you want because it's legal in all 50 states, and it's not going to debilitate you. But you can also go and get your, your, your tinctures and oils and any other ways that you like to uh, prepare yourself and, uh, and, and prepare your medicine closet. There you have it, secretnaturecbd.com, promo code FRANKLY. And that's what I have for you there. That might be a nice, uh, nice little thing to indulge in on a night like tonight with the topics that we have going on. Yes, and next week we have wonderful things going on there too. We're starting off with BCP, Black Conservative Patriots, coming back on Monday the 23rd. That's Monday, right? No, that's Tuesday. It's, no. If tomorrow's the 21st, yes, it's the 23rd. Does it make me high? Um, so he's coming back on the Monday the 23rd. And uh, we're going to also, next week, we're going to have the Saturday night special for May. So that'll be great. And we're going to announce uh, an initiative for next week I think you all will enjoy very, very much. It'll be a group effort, and it'll be for a good cause. So we'll do that on Monday. And uh, what else do I have? I think, well, I guess that's it for now. Because Rich Barris comes back after that. I have a wonderful author coming on, Danny Katz, who who wrote this book about propaganda. It's like a pop-up book. Well, not pop-up book, but it's all stick figures. It was sent to me by Justin Polgar of Yes Cacao for Christmas, I believe. It's an awesome gift, and it really just... If you didn't know the ins and outs of propaganda before this, it's amazing. It really is. It's a good uh, gift for children, to be honest. Uh, Jim Lee is coming back on June 8th. We're going to be talking about Grand Solar Minimum, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We're, so we're doing a weather, uh, climate, big picture show again. Uh, the last couple of times he's been on, it's about, been about cyberspace, hacking, anonymous, all that stuff. Uh, Justin Polgar, just mentioned him before, Yes Cacao. He's going to be coming on June 10th, it's a Friday night, to do a little bit of a psychedelic revelations evening. We'll be talking about psychedelics a little bit here tonight, too. But we're going to be talking about psychedelics and the, the, uh, the ministry of chocolate that he has. It's just wonderful what he has, um, what he's built. And it's always a great conversation with him. That's going to be a fun night. And then in June sometime, Christiane Hall will be coming on. And as we talked about that, that'll be fun. So things are going well. Waiting back on a few other guests I think you're really going to find intriguing. People you have not heard of but are really, really interesting. So stay tuned. Badass Month is coming up. That is what June is. So we have a couple of slots left. Nominees, send them on over to us. Quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. Your picks for badasses from history. Could be any part of the world, any era, alive or dead. They don't have to be war heroes. We're looking for explorers. We're looking for crazy mystics, whatever. People who have done ridiculously badass things. And then six degrees of separation is filling up nice. We've got 17 people. 
telling us all the crazy, crazy relations that they have, figures from history. So get onto the Reddit. If you don't know how to get to this and you want to contribute something, you can email me. I will repost it over the weekend into the Telegram, into the, into the, uh, any of the other ones there too, Discord and stuff. So that's that. All right. Into the grab bag we go. Into the grab bag we go. You may have heard this, and it's just like, wow. Hillary Clinton approved sharing debunked covert communications between Trump and Kremlin-backed uh, bank with the press, even though she wasn't totally confident in the legitimacy. Ex-campaign manager tells the Durham trial. Tells the Durham team. Robbie Mook. <laughs> so, our, our, I mean, it's just, it's funny. I, I have to chuckle a little bit here, um, but I'm not going to take it seriously until I see these people clapped in irons and lose years, years, if not the entire length of their lives to jail, then I'm just going to laugh and move on and just remember that this is, uh, this is the domain of Satan, the earth. So that's that. All right, move on. San Francisco, speaking of Satan, this was really interesting. San Francisco, there's an archbishop out there. I got to give him a lot of credit. Bars Nancy Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion due to her support of abortion. Pelosi said she's a devout Catholic despite her abortion advocacy. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore uh, Cordiglione Announced Friday, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is barred from receiving Holy Communion due to her pro-abortion stance, marking an escalation in the decades-long tension between the Roman Catholic Church and liberal Democrat politicians on abortion. Um, I, I, I want to play something for you. I want to play something for you that I was not going to play at all this week because, like uh, other stories, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to pile on top of everybody with the stress. Because there's only so many ways that we can express our disgust at what is being displayed to us. But there was a, um, there was a, I, I guess there was a, uh, a house hearing or something like that. This woman, I don't know what the hell her name is, I forget, but you'll see it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's her name? Could be. It probably is. Well, she's talking at this point to uh, Mr. Johnson, Representative Johnson. I forget where he's from. But it's a congressional hearing about abortion. And I want to listen. I want you to listen to this exchange. It's it's going to be infuriating. Advocate, Ms. Armbide, to answer my questions on this subject. Ma'am, you testified that you are, quote, unapologetic in seeking unrestricted abortion access. So I'm wondering... At what point is it not okay to abort a child? What, what age of gestation? And, and the, 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 the smirking bitch has to first calmly... Everything about her is terrible. Everything about her is terrible. Um, the pace with which she does everything, even if it's just taking off that stupid face-sized mask... Nine-tenths of her head was covered in the mask, and here she is with her problem glasses, 
and we're going to see when is uh, when is enough enough. I trust all people to determine what they can and can't do with their bodies. Full stop. Okay. I also believe that human... Was it a full stop or was it a question? With their bodies? You see, I've watched enough Bombard's body language videos to know what this tiny voice character is. The tiny voice. Okay? Just like with, Christ, with uh, Christine Blasey Ford and all that other shit. But this is another level of evil. Amy Abrambide, executive director of AVAL, another level of evil. Listen to this. Rights, um, including access to the medical care, medical care that they need within their communities, is something that should be afforded everyone. Great. Okay. So you, you support late-term abortion? I support all people and trust That means late-term abortion. Do you support partial birth abortion? In other words, the child is half delivered, and then the woman says, my right, I want to take that one out. You support that? I trust people to make decisions about wow. their body. Wow. Okay. What, what about, um, so, so abortion should be allowed then, by your definition, for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? I trust people to make decisions about their body, and then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical practitioners okay. and not is, Congress. If it is, listen, let me just ask you this question. If it is not uh, lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10-year-old child, I assume you agree with that, right? That would be wrong, correct? Well, let me think about it. I believe that Okay, that is and wrong. a 2-year-old child, same thing, that would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is 2 years old or 9 months old or 1 week old or an hour old than one that is 8 inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Yeah, I went there. Full stop. Yeah, I went there. I went there. I went there. Yeah, you're going to hell is where you're going, you smirking twat. That's where you're going. That's where you're going. I might have to do about a thousand years or five thousand years in purgatory, but you're going to hell, you smirking twat. That's where you're going. I am very confident in saying so. Very confident in saying so. Now, why do I bring this up? <laughs> why do I bring this up? Because, well, first of all, during any saner time in our history, this kind of behavior that's being exhibited by this, this, this thing, you would only see this kind of behavior exhibited on the witness stand during cross-examination of a murder trial. And this is like some kind of a Charlie Manson... Um, character, whatever, they, they stand no chance of getting acquitted. They're, they're going to jail. So that is any other time that you would see this kind of, this behavior exhibited. The fact that this smirking, murderous twat is instead advocating. She is in a setting where she's able to freely advocate for a mainstream political movement in this way. It is something I still have a really, really hard time coming to terms with that, that we are here. That she's not a woman. She doesn't advocate for women. This is a, a creature from some sunken world. From some sunken world. But the point being is Nancy Pelosi fights for, stands by, and funds this filth. 
and she still receives the Eucharist. I've denied myself the Eucharist for years because I, I don't I don't I don't think I'm I'm uh, I've uh, done all right. And as a uh, as a Catholic, I haven't been to confession in nearly twenty years. So I I don't care what condition the church is in. I'm glad that at least one person was righteous enough to deny anyone who supports such a naked naked. Uh, expression of evil a naked expression of evil it's not even it's not even that there is um no that's i'll just leave it at that my god so yeah it, it really just shocks me to think that the corpse bride the corpse bride nancy pelosi seeks the eucharist on a semi-regular basis that's that's astonishing that the church is not completely burned down all right. Well, moving on from there, 713. Let's get that out of our mouths. Let's get the taste out of our mouths a little bit here. Here is a here's a story from Wired magazine. The US military is building its own metaverse. Defense tech companies have latched onto the metaverse hype, but what they're building will be a far cry from Meta's virtual world. Well, what's it going to be? Two fighter pilots performed a high-altitude proto-metaverse experiment a few thousand feet above the desert of California in a pair of Burkitt 540 jets. They donned custom AR headsets to connect to a system that overlaid a ghostly, glowing image, glowing image of a refueling aircraft flying alongside them in sky. One of the pilots then performed a refueling maneuver with a virtual tanker while the other looked on. Welcome to fledgling military metaverse. This isn't only Silicon Valley that's gripped by metaverse mania these days. Just as tech companies and corporations are scrambling to develop strategies for virtual worlds, many defense startups, contractors, and funders are increasingly taking up the metaverse, even if its definition and utility aren't always clear. Listen, it's very clear what's going on here. What do you think 5G and all the fifth, sixth, seventh generation is all about. The uh, the Starlink stuff, the mapping out, the gridding the earth on a gigantic, unavoidable, inescapable network is all about. It's about giving, geographically, creating a, a reality, a, a, a new slice of reality that can be overlaid, a digital overlay. You know, we call it um, augmented reality when you see... Uh, children running through parks trying to catch invisible animals through their Pokemon Go. They have to, but but you know, if you look around, there's no Pokemon there. If you look through the phone as you're looking around at the park, so you're looking at the park through your phone. Suddenly, you see cartoon animals running all over the place, and you can catch them. That's augmented reality. That's how ag- a reality was augmented. It was a market test, obviously a viral game and all that. Then pizza delivery. Uh, you know, pizza places started using that for making their delivery a- uh, applications a little bit more responsive, and you can have pizzas delivered to you in the middle of parks because then you're putting a homing beacon on on yourself, pretty much. But you know that this is all going somewhere else. What about what about robots? What about cybernetic entities that don't see reality the way that we do? That need a network that need to be plugged into a network, a wireless network, to tell them that there are 
you know, where to go, directions, how to navigate a forest. It's not like us. We have senses of direction and all that stuff. We have uh, experience. We can learn things. Uh, computers need to be fed and programmed and constantly updated. They have to have some sort of an uplink connection to a greater source of commanding intelligence. Well, that's what this is all about. It's not only how humans are going to be able to uh, remotely train for um, flight, you know, a new aspect of flight school or remote control planes, but it's also how robots are going to be able to, you know, just walk anywhere and know where they're going without having to have all that data just stored inside of them. They're always going to be, they're always going to have connectivity. And that's what this is all about. And if you remember a couple of a couple of years ago, I don't know when we covered this, but I went and I searched for it. This is from 2018, but I remember we covered something I thought was a little bit sooner than this. But I went and I grabbed this 2018 military pilots. Military pilots can control three jets at once via neural implant. All right. So you know that we have been in the drone warfare game for a long time there. But all we know, all we know about, all we've seen the depictions of in, in movies and television and all that is one person with their joystick um, having a go with their unmanned air- aircraft. Well, this is years, years ago that this was published on blogs and futurism.com and all that stuff, which means it's been around for a lot longer than that. Mind control. The military is making it easier than ever for soldiers to distance themselves from the consequences of war. Uh, that's scary in itself. Because usually it's the consequences of war that is a, actually a major deterrent for not going back to war. When drone warfare emerged, pilots could for the first time sit in an office in the U.S. and drop bombs in the Middle East. Now one pilot can do all of that using their minds, no hands required. Earlier this month, DARPA, the Military Research Division, unveiled a project it had been working on since 2015. Yeah, right. Uh, Technology that grants one person the ability to pilot multiple planes and drones with their mind at the same time. As of today, signals from the brain can be used to command and control not just one aircraft, but three simultaneous types of aircraft, Justin Sanchez, director of DARPA's Biological Technologies Office said, according to Defense One. Sanchez may have unveiled the research effort at the trajectory of neurotechnology sessions at DARPA's 60th anniversary event, but this team has been making steady progress for years. Back in 2016, a volunteer equipped with brain-computer interface, BCI, was able to pilot an aircraft in a flight simulator while keeping two other planes in formation, all using just his thoughts, a spokesperson from DARPA's Biological Technologies Office told Futurism. In 2017, Copeland was able to steer a plane through another simulation, this time receiving haptic feedback. If the plane needed to be steered in a certain direction, Copeland's neural implant would create a tingling sensation in his hands. It goes on a little bit there, but I I just figure I'd bring that up there and, um, and add it to all these other stories about metaverses and... The metaverse had been mapped out a long time ago. First of all, the internet was given to us by these 
these defense initiatives and things like that. So you you can just add all that up and see how it works out. And speaking of military operations, one last thing. I know it's a little bit of an extended grab bag here, but I have no guests tonight, so we can just do this at a leisurely pace. Speaking of military operations, you remember a couple of days ago I mentioned that the news had hit that Joe Biden was sending hundreds of troops, maybe close to a thousand troops back to Somalia, you know, the 52nd state. We're always we're always giving people the 51st state and 52nd state. We're always we're always uh, concentrating on multiple states at once that have nothing to do with us. But we're sending about 800 or so troops back to Somalia. And I forgot what reason they gave us, but how much of you out there think that this had anything to do with it? This was news from February of this year. February of this year, Somalia's president cans, that means cancels, cancels U.S. oil deal hours after it was signed. Both the Somalian president and the country's prime minister have rejected the oil exploration deal inked by one of the ministers. Leaders say that they are protecting the country's natural or national resources. Somalia's leadership has made a swift reversal on an on oil explorations deal signed with the U.S. company on Saturday. This is back in uh, February, remember. The Minister of Petroleum and Mineral Resources, Abdurashid Mohammed Ahmed, announced that production sharing agreements that had been signed with U.S.-based firm Coastline Exploration Limited. Ahmed said in a statement that the deal was a huge moment for the people of Somalia. Recently completed, this is a quote, recently completed seismic programs indicate that Somalia has the potential to become a significant oil and gas producing country. Uh-oh. He said that in a statement, the deal would accelerate our roadmap of hydrocarbon exploration offshore. We are pleased to announce that we have agreed that we have signed seven production sharing agreements with Coastline Exploration Limited. It's a victory for the Somali people, the minister said in a tweet. Now to the same day cancellation. But the ink barely dry. With the ink barely dry, both Somalia's president and prime minister announced the deal was off. In a statement, the office of President Moham Abdullahi Moham, wow, why are there so many British people in uh, Somalia? Said that the deal was nullified. So many British names. The presidential palace, Villa Somalia, tweeted that, quote, it contravenes presidential decrees uh, of July 8th, 2021, which bans the inking of deals during elections as to protect public resources from exploitation during elections. The office of the presidency and the prime minister have strained relationship, but in this instance, both leaders appear to have been on the same page. So they said it's illegal and it's unacceptable. I don't know. I mean, when is their election? Maybe when their election's over, it comes right back to where it's going uh, and everything gets done. They announced that they're going into into uh, into Somalia because of a Al-Qaeda offshoot. Some Al-Qaeda offshoot is running amok again, so we're going to go in there and fix everything. So, I don't know. Two birds with one stone? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe the election goes off without a hitch and then the deal is right back on and there was no ado about anything but I figure I throw it out there because well you know how things go 
All right. With that being said, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for the time. It's Friday, damn it. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! This was the song that me and Lauren walked out to when we were announced for the first time as a married couple. Your attention, please. Right before our first uh, dance. The moment we've been waiting for is here. Ah. Nice. I, I have something to tell you. Nice on a Friday. Well, I was going to, um, 
I was going to, I was thinking about doing our uh, opening up with our our the song that we first we had our first dance to. Which is Apple Blossom Time by the um, the Andrews Sisters, which is very you know important to a lot of people of that um, of that generation, especially when it came out like 1941 around that type recording at least. So quite a few of the elder statesmen at our at our wedding were were so shocked to hear it. And uh, but if I were to play that now, I I I wouldn't be able to sit here calm. So maybe I don't know. Maybe later during the credits or something like that, I'll switch it up and I'll mute, I'll mute the old credits and uh, and just let that play out before we end, because we have to end a little bit early tonight. I'm going to be doing the book club by myself, as I said, so it won't be as long, but I think it'll be nice and snappy and we'll be fine. And I can't wait until Tim comes back because it really is. It, it's been it's made making the experience uh, that much better. So. Yes. What do we have tonight, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the show. Well, I mean, there's so many places we could go to. And I think the first place I want to go to is this. Because I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. It's from the National Pulse. I'm going to take some calls from you guys and we'll just leave this light and airy. National Pulse, here's the headline. In a study, testosterone treatment turns Democrat voters more conservative. <laughs> Somewhat in the subtitle is Someone Tell Brian Stelter. This is from the National Pulse. Um, written by Natalie Winters. Increased testosterone levels can cause Democrats to become more conservative in their political affiliation. A recent experiment analyzing voters in U.S. elections found. The study, Testosterone Administration Induces a Red Shift in Democrats, was published on November 14, 2021 by Professor Paul Zak, the director for the Center of Neuroeconomic Studies at Claremont Graduate University. His research has made a substantial impact in explaining the variations in human social behaviors and has been cited by other scholars over 18,000 times, placing in the top 0.3% of all scholars, explains his professional biography. Zach's latest findings reveal a link between testosterone levels and political preference through analyzing 136 voting age males throughout the 2012 election season. The 2012? Okay. Our results demonstrate that testosterone induces a redshift among weakly affiliated Democrats, summarized the paper. Researchers administered synthetic testosterone, or placebo, to participants who previously disclosed their political affiliations, allowing researchers to track down how the hormone affected participants' politics. When weakly affiliated Democrats, weakly, that means people who are on the fence, when weakly affiliated Democrats receive additional testosterone, the strength of their party fell by 12% and they reported 45% warmer feelings toward Republican candidates for president, explained the study. We've done all these side studies that would support this too. I mean, obviously there is a female mental health problem, a white female mental health problem in the Democrat Party, but also a mental health problem across the board. That's been 
you know, studies have bore that out as well. But it also, uh, we've also seen other social experiments done as far as how attractive people are and how, um, I don't know, self-confidence plays a big role in whether or not you are a a little bit more of an, a libertarian independent type or if you are a socialist type. Obviously, there's going to be exceptions, but there's also going to be something that I would have to say is a rule. I mean, there's rules and then there's exceptions. I'm sure there's very confident, independent types who, for some reason, think that voting with modern Democrats is is going to turn out good for anybody. I mean, I don't know. They say warmed to Republicans. I mean, that, that's not that hard of a shift. It's not that hard of a shift. So still, it's, it's really just interesting to see this, that the, now that we're talking biochemical, <laughs> now we're talking biochemical here. Before the testosterone treatment, we found that weekly affiliated Democrats had 19% higher basal testosterone than those who identified strongly with the party. The study continues reiterating the correlation between individuals with lower testosterone have left-wing political beliefs. While the effects of testosterone waned with individuals who are staunch Democrats or weak Republicans, our findings provide uh, evidence that neuroactive hormones affect political preferences. Yes, because politics is not... You see, it's... um. It's easy to consider that politics is a certain type of sport that we engage in. Like politics is chess or uh, that's not a sport, a game that we play or, or something that is outside of our being. We're political creatures. Uh, unless, of course, you practice stoicism and you are able to uh, you know, navigate these emotional waters, try to see things for what they are, as good, as bad, as indifferent, to just to, just to see things for what they are and try not to take anything personal about it. They, unless you're something like somebody like that, then you, you have to know that for the most part, even Stoics are, are, aren't perfect. They can't completely rid themselves of any kind of, um, any kind of impact that being a, an emotional human being is going to have just you know you just you just temper your reactions to things you just try to watch the way that things affect you but most of us i mean we are always making political considerations we make political considerations based on who we call to hang out with, uh, when we're when we're building when we're building up the the floor plan for your so we're talking about weddings tonight. That's why me and Lauren, <laughs> we're just like, it's going to be a buffet style, and you guys seat yourselves. Have fun, everybody. Just have fun. You know, you're telling me that political considerations are not made every time you put together a table at a wedding to make sure that at least some tables are closer to each other if you can't get everybody in the same table, who hasn't spoken in 25 years, who's got a chip on their shoulder. Uh, I, I don't know. Anything. It's all politics. It's all politics. So the same way that you're affected, it's just so the per, your, your personal longing and your personal feelings and all that stuff, it always plays into how you believe you're going to be best suited 
who is going to treat you best if you give them your the, the representation of your consent in the form of a vote. And then you just get into group dynamics and everything really falls apart. Once you consider the group dynamics of things, then everything really falls apart. Then you really have the hive mind coming on in and and all, all of the outside forces seen and unseen that are actually suggesting getting you into getting people into different states of suggestibility. How do you do that? Well, one example is making everything a battle of life and death, everything a war against women, a war against this and that. You get people thinking that they're coming for us. We need to band together and we need to we need to do this. You'll just do anything at that point once the enemy has been identified. So when you get into group dynamics, then all the in, all that independent thinking stuff goes out the window. Because I'll tell you something. I'll sit down. I, I remember it was about maybe four years ago. I sat down, me, my brother Anthony, and my father. We all met up at the park. It was a nice spring day, and uh, you know somebody picked up coffee, and we just went up to the park and sat at a picnic table and just caught up. And probably about a half hour or so into the conversation, we just had just gotten to certain things, whatever was relevant at the time, that was, you know, on a social level, also had some politics uh, politics uh, built into it. And I mentioned to my father, who was taking all of these, what you would be considered, conservative stances, because they're common sense. I say, you know, um, you're, more, you're a lot more, dare I say, conservative than you think. And uh, at that, uh, he didn't really, you know, fight me on anything. He just said, "You're probably right, but uh, that would not that in that setting, one on one, you can have, you can have those gives and takes when people when people are co- confident and comfortable with their their surroundings. They're having a coffee and they they don't feel like they're getting tested or they don't feel like they are in a situation where they need to adequately represent everybody of a certain demographic or of a certain voting block. And when I say represent everybody, which is impossible, to at least represent everybody by being vague enough, but just standing firm on on wanting the best for people. So it, it's just incredible how one thing or another can sway an individual, but when you get into a group, forget about it. And then that's just social. Now, obviously, the way that you inter- interact with people around you in a social setting is going to be determined and impacted in one way or another, in one direction or another, based on what's going on inside of you emotionally at the time. Uh, when we're irrational, we make really bad decisions. When we're hungry, it's the worst time ever to go out uh, shopping for food. And uh, if you have something biochemically going on, like you have low T or something, you don't think that that is going to make more guys just want to cuddle up underneath the take care of me, daddy, Democrat blanket? You know, the the whatchamacall, the, uh, the Obamacare kid. Who who's the Obama the Obamacare kid? I forgot. The one who's cuddling up in his pajamas and his cocoa to talk about health care. It's, it's become a meme now of just some smarmy, out of touch. Uh, you know, 
one of those figures in society. But this is just more evidence. There's not that much left in this uh, in this article. Let's do it, the last two things here. Uh, while the effects of testosterone waned in individuals who are staunch Democrats or weak Republicans, our findings provided evidence that neuroactive hormones affect political preferences, posits the study. The study comes amidst an ongoing discussion about declining testosterone levels in the U.S. and mainstream media outlets such as the New York Times attacking Fox News host Tucker Carlson for addressing the issue in a recent documentary. It is true. 100%. And it's uh, I've seen some studies that have put that decline in testosterone in especially in in the Western countries as high as twenty percent over the last twenty years, one fifth over the last twenty years. So it's all environmental, of course. It's all environmental, psychological warfare. They, I mean, it, it, we it's stacked up against us. And let's be honest, we know that there's a history. There's a history of weapons developments programs that were dedicated to biochemically soften the males of a target population. So uh, we have turned that outward to the world, to our enemies in the world, back decades ago when you know we were not the primary target, but now we're the primary target. The process is continuing, and this is the stage in the game we're in. So there is a litany of things that is, that's affecting testosterone. We also know that there is so many political reasons why people are not copulating, they're not having children, they don't want to. And then again, they're just, I mean, is there any more devious than to, to disable the portion of the population, your men, that are supposed to be standing up for the innocent in rough times when trouble comes? So this is some serious shit. Serious. And also remember this. You remember when the, the when COVID broke out and we started getting we started getting articles like this popping up. This is from the, the New York Post in April uh, April 28th of 2020. I went and I I found it because I knew it was out there. Female sex hormones could treat male coronavirus patients, says doctors. You remember when they first, it was just, this was April of 2020, they started suggesting, well, you know, maybe some of you guys can shoot up estrogen so you can survive this cold a little bit better. That if you weren't already dying, you have a 99.8% chance of recovering from. Female sex hormones could treat male coronavirus patients. We are absolutely out of our minds. Absolutely batty. (laughs) Batty, man. So uh, here's the main thing I wanted to bring up today since we're talking about chemicals and we're talking about states of mind and we're, you know, I guess that social hierarchy, political hierarchy, who's out there calling the shots, who is plotting, who are the plotters that are plotting, and what state of mind are they in? Here is a really fascinating story that started making the rounds yesterday, and I I had it set aside for tonight. Uh, Well, no, I had it set aside. I forgot I had it last night after I had bookmarked it. I forgot I had bookmarked it, or else I would have brought it up last night, see what Rob thought about this, but I mean, it's, it's not that deep. We can make it as deep as we'd like. 
Burning Man, they asked. This is from the Technocracy News outlet, but it was covered by MSN and Yahoo and, and all that other stuff. Klaus Schwab opens the door in Davos to psychedelic shamans. So the Davos gr- group is getting together soon. And they have invited all these psychedelic shamans to come out there to, I guess, I don't know, talk about, but maybe uh, administer, maybe. Shrooms, LSD. This is some serious stuff, if you ask me, because it has a lot of spiritual implications, if you ask me. And I, I saw that Clyde Lewis talked about this on his, on his show last night, and I have to go and listen to the rerun because I love when he jumps into shit like this. So here you go. Welcome to the dose. Sure, Davos has always sought to raise global consciousness, uh, addressing topics like food scarcity and climate change, but psychedelic drugs? These substances are still illegal in most places. Finding out that influential shamans and companies will present at this year's World Economic Forum inspired me to take a look at what the industry had to gain from a platform with the global elite. This was written by Tiffany Carey via Bloomberg. Oh, so yeah, this is this is uh, the one I was sent before, Yahoo Bloomberg. I didn't know that technocracy had, uh, had syndicated it. Psychedelics Industries targets power players. The World Economic Forum, a gathering of the global elite now synonymous with the, uh, the quaint Swiss town of Davos, where it's held, isn't the usual place you'd expect to find a shaman. Do breath work or get rooted in your body. But this year's gathering of government leaders and corporate executives will host a House of Psychedelics program with almost 40 sessions and speakers, including researchers, entrepreneurs, investors, and some who consider themselves shamans. While not part of the core Davos agenda, which doesn't permit commercial activity, the program has a space on the town's main promenade, where, uh, which traditionally showcases Fortune 500 companies to the conference's attendees. The program, at first for Davos, a first for Davos, shows how far the psychedelics industry has come, organizer said. Quote, It's a really big shift for world leaders to inquire about how they might be able to use psychedelics. They're already completely tripping balls. Can you imagine your average American congressman or woman on industrial grade psychedelics with how they already are and God knows what cocktails they are downing just to be able to walk out of the house in the morning? Oh, my God, what a recipe for absolute insanity. Said Merrick Hazan, a chief executive officer of Energia Holdings Incorporated, the New York-based business hosting the event. Energia is a holding company for the Tabula Rasa Ventures, an incubator for psychedelic companies, and Hazan is a managing partner at Tabula Rasa. The program aims to spark conversations about rolling out psychedelic responsibly for medical use and encourage countries and companies to include such treatments in health coverage. Health care coverage for this. 
The industry is arriving at Davos amid a renaissance of popular interest in drugs. Most are still considered illegal, although a number of cities and states have decriminalized some. Stock values for companies have lagged while they await results from long-range clinical trials <clears throat> to test the efficacy and ra- risks of substances such as MDMA, LSD, psilocybin, ayahuasca, and uh, DMT. Other topics on tap include ethical debates, such as how to guard against abusive practices in an industry where people are incredibly vulnerable while under the influence of drugs. Well, that's just like a, I, I don't know, that, that's probably just like a cover your ass thing, because this is the biggest reason why they would want everybody on, on uh, a even crazier, more suggestive drugs. What about a Coke bottle in a clinic? Hazan asked. He said the idea of putting products in front of people undergoing an experience needs to be discussed. But at at Davos, business is never out of focus. Other sponsors of the event include Maya uh, Health, a data platform, and Irwin Naturals, a vitamin supplement company. Some of the larger organizations attending include Compass Pathways, Field Trip Health, and the the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, or MAPs. Isn't that the new acronym for pedophile, MAP? Minor Attracted Persons? We'll stick with pedophiles. Two shamans who plan to attend also don't shy away from business topics, saying they are deeply entwined in what they do. Florencia Bolini specializes in DMT, known as the God Molecule, for the short but intense intense experiences it invokes. She also is the founder of two fledgling companies in the psychedelic space. Los Angeles-based Nana is based on digital platform that will distill Bolini's decade of experience serving psychedelic substances in the underground. The other, Brighton, England-based Rewire, is seeking $5 million in seed funding that Bellini said will develop a method for DMT that will improve its efficacy and decrease the risk of negative experiences. Clinical trials are planned for next year. She expects the Davos experience to be different from her annual pilgrimages to Burning Man and uh, the famous Nevada Festival, where she showcases her feminine approach to psychedelic medicine. It's important to educate politicians about what heals, Bellini told me of her mission. This is a big moment for psychedelics. After working so long, we are ready to reveal a solution that we know works because we've seen it in the underground over and over again. Now, I don't discount psychedelics, especially if it comes from something natural like psilocybin and even ayahuasca. I'm very interested in it. I would never, ever do it. I just don't think I have the balls for it nor the stomach. Anything that you need to actually throw up while doing in order for it to be successful, I I live to avoid throwing up. All right? I live to avoid throwing up. I hate when it happens. And I hate that it happened recently. But I kind of like when it happens afterwards to say, okay, well, if I threw up now, that means I won't throw up for another 10 years. I'm like on a 10-year cycle. So I feel like I just renewed myself. Anyway, studying, studying the, the, cultural, the cultural aspects of ayahuasca, the, the kinds of trips, the revelations, the history, that stuff is very fascinating to me. No, I do not believe that it is all intrinsically demonic. 
I believe it. I believe um, psychedelics to fall within that indifferent realm. It is a tool. It is indifferent. Uh, the person using it could either be could either be seeking something good and wholesome, could be seeking something foolish, could also just be completely unprepared and unknowing and is ready to fall into a pit that has just too much, too much that you couldn't handle. So I look at it as an indifferent thing. Now, uh, that's in a natural sense. In a, the CIA is making LSD and testing it on serial killers and mobsters and, and God knows what else is going on. That's something else. So uh, when you think about these two topics getting that close together, Davos and the kinds of Klaus Schwabi people that are there and, um, and what we know what they already want to do to the human genome, what they want to do to the species, how they want to alter it, augment it, completely change it around. Uh, it's just two concepts that are very uncomfortable to put anywhere near each other. And uh, I'm sure that some of you out there will have a little bit more defined reasons why it makes you uncomfortable or you don't really mind it too much. Because like I say, in, in certain sense, I don't mind it in and of itself. The idea of psychedelics being used, especially in microdosing. I know we've had a couple of people, uh, longtime listeners of this show that have called in to talk about how many, many years of clinical depression had been really helped quickly with the, the, the microdosing of psilocybin. It was all done under completely uh, under medical observation and all that stuff. It wasn't just, you know, taking a cap here, taking a, a stem there. It was, it was official, so I just want to put that out there. But still, it's, it's interesting. It's, a, it's not a big step because we know these global, in one respect, I should say, it's not a big step for them because we know globalist organizations, especially intelligence bureaus, were at the forefront of developing most, uh, most of the industrial-grade psychedelics out there and uh, made, those, made those modalities front and center in every ass-backwards counterculture movement since the 1950s. So there's that. You just got to remember that. And then, um, and then you just have psychological operations through mass media. That's, a, that's the next thing that these groups were getting into and really, and really uh, getting down to a science around the 1960s. That's when it really popped off because they're using mass media at that point. So you don't actually really need, remember this, ladies and gentlemen, you don't need someone to swallow a tab of acid to become delusional. And to be easily easily manipulated. So it just brings up the topic of possession to me as well because of how psychedelics are, are used to open up passageways. And like I said before, sometimes people who know what they're doing make mistakes and people who don't know what they're doing just jump into the deep end of a pool that they never, never could have uh, predicted what was below the surface. So really interesting things out there, don't you think? Psychedelic Davos. Uh, we have a testosterone crisis, but if you boost testosterone, people become more conservative. Oh, man, what else? Controlling, controlling uh, fighter jets with your mind, an entire fleet of fighter jets with one human brain? Where do we go from there? Well, it's 7.55. I have about 35 minutes left. 
Well, we have wonderful things that we can get to in the second half that have come directly from the audience. And I have some parting shots for you as well around 8.30. So I'm going to take a little bit of a quick break. I hope that you're back on the other side, and I hope that you're calling in and, um, and just throwing me some Friday thoughts. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Let it ring true. Good golly, Miss Molly. Okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy to have you here with me tonight. It was really nice doing that raffle yesterday, too. I'm going to find more things to do like that. Because it wasn't even just so that we had a few more people uh, sending in super chats and we're, we're creating a little bit of incentive to support the show and have some fun. And of course, there is a prize and, and stuff, but it was also the messages. It was just more stuff to read into read into the record on the show. It, uh, it just fills up the time in, uh, in a joyous way. So I want to do that, have a lot more fun. Here is a wonderful couple of messages. Doc Keck says, you don't necessarily need to eat the Eucharist, Frank, because if he, if he only says the word, you shall be healed. Yes, I know. I just don't, uh, I don't see how I, I, I don't, I'm a, uh, 
a lone survivor. So I just try to play things, play things nice and and uh, an even keel. Not gonna touch anything too precious these days until I get myself totally right. Miami Rick says, hey Frank, we made it to Friday, man. Would love to hear the story about the time you and the band played for the Hells Angels. Loving the show as always. Wow, thank you, Miami Rick. How wonderful of everybody. Well, the time we played for the Hells Angels, that was a New Year's Eve show. I uh, It had to have been New Year's Eve 2004. It was, at, it was either New Year's Eve 2003 going into 2004 or 2004 going into 2005. But um, what happened was we had a friend locally. He was a musician as well. And that's, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. And he said, listen, I have a, I, we're going to be doing a gig. I'm going to be playing a gig there, and we're putting together a show at this, this club. It was a, for a chapter of the Hells Angels. And we're going to be doing this show on New Year's Eve. It's going to be fun. It's going to be catered. Uh, we're going to, to let you know, and, and I would love for you guys to be there. I said, okay, you got it. It might be a little bit of a rough crowd, but hey, if we're on a bill, we're with people that we know, we can get introduced. Uh, it's not a bad thing to have have friends in biker gangs, like friends, not not like connected to their business, but to to be looked on. You know, you're cool. It's okay. It's it's all right to be seen as cool, you know. <laughs> but uh, we we're like, let's just do this. Let's do it. So it was us. It was our friend who's headlining, and then there were a few other a few other bands that came on. So we, we contacted a uh, couple. We knew some things were getting weird. We were put in contact with the chapter leader. Can't say his name. I don't want to just. I don't want to put that out there. Can't say his name. But we got into in touch with him, and he's giving me all the uh, the ins and outs. He's asking me about who's coming on. I said, you know what? I'll I'll ask some other another band because a band had dropped off. Now it's just me, my band, and our friend who's headlining. Well. The band that was in front of us dropped off. Said, "Hey, we can we can ask somebody to come by if you if you like." And we went to a a band, Dry Kill Logic. It's a local band, but they actually did some tours. And some of you out there, if you're big into heavy metal, especially from the 1990s and early 2000s, you probably know Dry Kill Logic. But they're from our hometown. We have some history with them too. But anyway. They were, we asked them, hey, maybe you can come on. It's, it's for the Hells Angels, blah, blah, blah. And I passed, I got them in touch and, and they came back to me and they asked me to ask the chapter leader, how much does it pay? Because they're a professional, they are, they're a professional act. They're a touring act. How much does the gig pay? And I said, oh shit, now I have to go and ask this inflammatory question of this gigantic Hells Angel. So we met up with him, uh, we met up with the chapter leader and he, cause he was giving us our tickets that we can, we can sell. And, and, uh, he said, my, 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 uh, my wife is making lobsters. She's making all the, and we're like, okay, well, this is nice. 
but now we got to tell them, well, listen, we talked to the band that's going to come on. Um, they can actually headline this show. We would actually open up if they come on because they are, they're established. He's like, oh, cool. All right. And I said, uh, what they, they want to know how much the gig pays. He goes, you tell them it pays one black guy or two. I said, oh, fuck. Just inside, I said, oh, fuck. I kind of like giggled nervously. And I said, oh, shit. Okay. Well, I'm just going to have to say that the, the uh, it's actually booked and I'll let you know. I'm, I just put the kibosh on that whole thing. I didn't even let them know. So that was just me and our friends. Then it's the day before. It's like December 30th or something like that. Our friend, our great friend, he drops off the bill. Now it's just us. And we're like, all right, well, you know what? You know, we should still go. We still got to go. We can't cancel because, you know, it, it may, it, at least we'll hold up our end of the deal and they won't think that we're douchebags. So we go there, this metal, this little local metal band. We only had about 40 minutes worth of material. And uh, it was all originals. We were getting trolled. I mean, they're, they're, they're being, I mean we're, we were getting trolled by people asking us to play Donna Summer, uh, you know, play, you know, do, do, screaming all these things, you know, what they wanted us to play next. We're like, all right, uh, well, here's our next song. <laughs> Stay away from the light. <laughs> or something ridiculous. All of our, what's uh, Vindication? What, what song could we have played that night? Oh, so my gosh. Oh. So at this point, we're playing our hearts out. Everybody's kind of, nobody's really paying attention to us. And we're playing hardcore heavy metal. So at this point, uh, we're like 30 minutes in. We realize that's it. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we start breaking down. We only had 40 minutes worth of stuff. We start breaking down our, our, our set. We didn't play covers. We didn't know covers. We didn't have a vocalist for that. We had a vocalist who only knew how to scream. So at this point, we're breaking it down and we're, we're taking stuff out. And uh, the chapter leader comes up to me. He goes, hey, what's going on? You guys are, you guys are packing up? I said, yeah, well, that, that's, that's all we had planned for the night. That's, that's all we had uh, on, on the set. He goes, but you guys were great. You guys just uh, keep, you know, go step back up and, and uh, play something, you know, jam. And uh, I said, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I called him by his name and I'm, I'm being respectful. I, it's really, it's all we know. I, I'm sorry. It, 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 he, he walked away kind of like pissed off. Uh, so I'm like, oh shit. So the rest of my band members are now packing their stuff up and getting their stuff to the cars. And they're, they're expecting that we may have to just get out of there. Uh, but I couldn't, I just couldn't let that, I couldn't let that fly. So everything's really stiff. Now, I guess the word is getting around that the band is leaving and, and so-and-so is upset about it. So they're kind of looking at us like, I don't know, we're, we're getting the side eye. We already went in there. We told each other, do not look at one woman. Do not look at anybody. Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody. Don't stare at anything. Stand next to inanimate objects. Look at your drink. And just play it cool, you know? Do not look at any of the women. They can be naked. Don't look at them. So we're almost all packed up. I packed up my car, and now I'm out. I see the, the chapter leader, and he's surrounded by six of, I guess, his closest confidants outside right by the entrance. And I said, I got to go. I got to go talk to him. I have to. So 
I walked up. I kind of, you know, sp split through the, the, the crowd a little bit there. He's surrounded by all of his, his guys. And uh, I said, sir, let's call him by his name. I said, sir, do you mind if I, I talk to you for a second? He goes, yeah, you can talk to me right here. Everybody can hear it. I said, okay. Uh, and I just, I laid it out for him. I said, I said, listen, I, I, I swear to you, the only thing that we had tonight we are. We have some new material. We didn't prepare anything long because we thought we were going to be a part of a longer night here. That there's going to be two other acts. You know, everybody dropped off. This is all we had. We, but we weren't going to cancel on you guys. We we wanted you guys to at least have 40 minutes of music, even if it's all that we can give you. He and and, and right at that point, because it was humble, and uh, and it's the truth. I saw everything kind of soften up. He was softened up, and that's when he got a little bit more complimentary. And he said, yeah, but you guys were really good. You should have just, you know, played a little longer. And I said, I got to tell you, even jamming takes practice, and we're, we're just don't, we don't know how to do that. We, we have one speed. It's 10. It's, uh, it, it would be a mess. It would be a mess. We just wanted to give you whatever we had that sounded good. He goes, all right, well, he, 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 then he put his, his hand on my back and, you know, pats all around. He goes, go inside, get some food, and thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys and all that stuff. And I can't tell you, the, 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 the two elephants that were on either shoulder fell right off. And I just thought, oh, God. And I signaled to the guys, listen, it's, it, let's, uh, let's go eat, and we'll take off right around the, uh, the time that the, the ball drops. We'll just get the hell out of here. So everybody, we we carried on nicely there, uh, and you know, the, by the end of the night, the chapter leader is coming up to all of us and giving us each bottle of champagne. Uh, here, take this home, take this home, have a good time tonight. And that was our that was our night with the Hell's Angels. We showed up. We only had forty minutes of uh, <laughs> forty minutes of originals, and uh, and then we were almost we were almost given the uh, the mark of death. We snuck out of it with five bottles of champagne as gifts instead. So I, I considered it a, a, it was a really interesting night. I loved it. It was nothing. It's nothing but a, a warm, fuzzy memory for me now. Although in the moment there was a little bit of adrenaline there, but uh, just a, a story from the road. <laughs> it was a Nourishelle or something like that. It was the was the uh, was the the place that was rented. So whatever. Alrighty. Alrighty. 914-595-6953. Let me see if there's anything else in the Super Chats before I take people on. There you go. Call on in. The foxhole is popping. Thank you, Doug Simmy. Thank you, Rook Castle. Robbie Mook didn't kill himself. Yeah. Rook Castle says, hey, hey, it's the monkeys, Pox. Hey, the monkey box. The facial hair, the t-shirt, and the hat deserves at least a cookie. Thank you, Chill Collective. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, this was sent to me by somebody in the audience. And it's really soft, and it feels nice, and it's uh, it's kind of silly. How to pick up chicks. And it's just a, uh, a three-block cartoon of simply how to walk up to a chick... I guess a, a chicken and pick it up. 
So let's see here. That's for the, the podcast audience that can't see it, obviously. Rook Castles is Italian Alzheimer's. You forget everything except your grudges. <laughs> oh. Sean Joe. That is re that's really hell. That's really hell. Thank you, Sean Joe. And Annette, 5022, says, Frank, even Pee Wee Herman improvised when it came to the Hells Angels. You need to improvise. You need to improvise. That's what I say. Let's take a call. Mason from Kentucky. Mason, what's on your mind, friend? Oh, my goodness. How you doing? Oh, welcome to the show. It's good to talk to you, man. It's been good about to talk a year to and a half. Um, hey, I was uh, calling in, uh, I guess, about the testosterone thing. If that's so cool. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I recently found out mine was low, and I can tell you, man, it. <laughs> I can see how that makes a difference. Um, I've been feeling just like tired, like no, um, no motivation is how it seems. And, and I, I, I see how that relates to, you know, a lot of policies and things that people on the left really want. And, uh, I, I, I think I talked to you one time before about, I used to be an opiate addict mm -hmm. and, um, long term, uh, over time it had suppressed my, uh, I guess I had whatever the Prince Andrew thing was where. <laughs> my adrenals were suppressed or whatever. Oh, and you couldn't and, sweat? Uh, you you could not sweat? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't really like that, but I forget what they call it, but there's some type of, uh, I guess, um, some my anxiety played a part too, high anxiety over a long time, but it, I guess it, like, runs hot for too long, and then the body doesn't produce it or something. But anyways, I... It's just funny uh, you brought that up because I just started treatment for it like this week and uh, I haven't really noticed a difference yet. But it. Uh, so what do you got? What, I, you, what are you using? It, you use a, a patch? No, I shoot myself right in the butt. Damn. You yeah, I've only done it. Uh, so I, I did one two weeks ago and then I had one uh, the other day I did, but I. They didn't give me any information about how to do it or whatever. But isn't it, uh, well, Mason, when, when you start with uh, testosterone supplementation, isn't that one of those yeah. things where once you once you start supplementing, if, if you see that there's a, a dip in your in your read and you, wanna, you want to um, address it, once you start, then soon, th that means that for the rest of your life, you need to be taking this for the rest of your life, right? Uh, well, in my case, uh, I think they think it's more related partially to uh, the opiate treatment. And I, I talked to you about this a long time ago, but I, I've been clean for six years now. And uh, I took Suboxone for a long time. Mm -hmm. And now there's a show you talked about that. Well, I'm, I'm weaning off it now, but that suppresses your whatever makes so yeah uh, but, but what is the what, what i mean is what is the the aim here i, I or, or what's possible here because what i have been told by people who you know they were it was later on in life and they were just given the option they said yeah you know what i, I want some i want yeah. some energy back i want but they said that once they start supplementing pharmaceutically the body's natural production just pretty much shuts down and it's just up to you providing yourself with that uh that that uh, that hormone for the rest of your life um, pharmaceutically is that what they tell you? Are are you going to be taking over 100% for your body, or is this some kind of a method where you can just give your body a little bit extra of what it needs and it still maintains its own natural production? 
Well, you're kind of you're kind of hitting part of it true, partially. So the way the doctor explained it was, so I'm weaning off the medicine. He said it's going to take about six months for your natural hormone because I'm only 36, so still fairly active and eat well, um, and you know it's not something that runs in my family. So he expected once I'm off the medication completely, it would go back up. But he did say, you know, if you take this, it's going to slow down the normal um, response coming back. But it will come back. I think. But when um, but when it comes back, people, but when it comes back, it'll come back at a normal range, or it'll come back to that that range that it was naturally producing less testosterone in the first place. No, it once that. Because the medication is going to be completely out of my system at that point, it it suppresses your cortisol, which is related to it. Right. Okay. Yeah, he said basically it's going to prolong the recovery, um, but I'll it'll still be a recovery. So like I would be completely miserable for the next five months because like it was the point I can't even work, man. Like I'm so tired. Well, listen, and uh, you, you got to let me know because I know that you just said you're you're, you're just starting this, but please, because I have to. Uh, I, uh, it's, a, it's a short show tonight, so I want to get a few more people on. But this is very relevant to the topic, at, uh, to all one of the topics tonight. But obviously, you're not. I want to know how you're feeling a couple of weeks into this. So you gotta, uh, you gotta at least email me if you're not having any trouble, if you're not having any luck getting into the show when I open the lines during the week. You gotta at least email me some updates because I'm interested in this. I have a couple of friends who who tested low and and uh, they're supplementing all. Uh, all of a sudden and I, I just don't know how much of this is environmental or whatever the hell else but yeah yeah I, I think there are certain other factors that we're all going to be experiencing due to what's going on you know some a little more woo things we talk about yeah yeah because uh, the doctor said he's been seeing a lot more of it uh and, and i'll let you go sorry i know i'm over talking just one thing i w- really want to make clear for anybody that thinks about it and this is a real kicker for me and almost made me not do it was he said it's really going to harm your chances of uh, having kids. Oof. So, uh, but I, it was to the point, man. I couldn't live anymore. Like yeah. that's how bad I felt. That's probably so, that's probably why a couple of my my buddies uh, did it after getting consulting doctors. They're, they're already done having their children. So yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Mason. Thank you for uh, for contributing this tonight. Very very interesting stuff. I'm sure a lot of people were wondering about that. To be honest. Yeah, man, and I'm downloading Discord, so I know you check that more. Hopefully, I'll get in next time. All right, brother. So, Have a good night. All right, good talking to you, too. Later. Okay. So, there's something. I have a couple of things in here from the the mailbag on Subscribestar. Clean Jack says, hey, Frank, have a great show, sir. Question, what is Aleppo? What is that, like, um... Do you, is this a reference to Gary Johnson not knowing where Aleppo, Syria was and, <laughs> and embarrassing himself in 2016? Let's see here. Um, says, and how long do you expect people to believe you're not really a clone? I'll admit you're good, you dirty, ravenous clone. I told you. I asked the question, did Frank actually come back after the flu? Who was that? That's up to you to decide. Let's see. 
Jerry Coogan. Let's take a call for. Oh well, he just bomb, bounced away, and now we're on the phone with six five zero. What's going on, six five zero? That was six five zero. Let's talk to Jerry Coogan. Jerry, how are you? I'm through. We should just see if I can find out how to switch that off. I've done it. Great. Um, Frank. Yes. Friday has capped a week of phenomenal shows. Tonight has been brilliant. The whole week has been brilliant. And there is not another show on the internet that covers so much ground as what you do. It's just phenomenal. We've been through the father of a disabled child. We've had a constitutional lawyer. We've had you chewing the fat with Rob. It's just it's just phenomenal content, and I think I can speak on behalf of thousands of listeners when I say this show is the best. It's just it's just brilliant, and that's that's part of what I wanted to say. The other thing I want to say, thank you, Jerry, is well, it's it's just true. It's just true. I mean, it's uh, half past one in the morning here in Scotland, and. Uh, I can't miss this show. I rush home from my gigs if I'm gigging. I think, oh, it's nearly time for Frank. Must get home. It's just the best, best, most intelligent, most inspiring content that's out there. And I want everybody that's listening to it to try one way or another to, to share it. Because there should be ten times as many people listening to this. It's, it's uplifting. It's inspiring. It's thought-provoking, and it's the hope for the future. So, having said that, uh, a couple of things that you were mentioning there already, uh, in the context of tonight, this testosterone attack, I can remember 30 years ago reading about this when when some of my children were, were just infants and were reading about the... Uh, testosterone levels being reduced. A lot of it is down to the... At that time, we had... I forgot what they're called now. The bone... Uh, something they had for cows. It was some estrogen supplement that was going into the water supply. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, all the water... The, the water table, everything was getting contaminated by this bovine growth hormone. That's what it was called. Bovine growth hormone. And they were putting more estrogen into the cattle so as to get a higher milk yield. Uh, and that was 30 years ago. So we are under attack because it's not as if these companies didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they, they'd done their real science as opposed to the science that they, they released to the public. They knew what they were doing. We are under attack on so many fronts. Um, and it's, it's very, very sad. But... If we're going to look at, if we're going to look at that, this is why I think it's so important, and this is why I think prayer is so important. You have all these kind of attacks at every level on our humanity, and you have people who can resist all sorts of psychological torture because they have a conviction in something they believe in. It might be religion, it might be patriotism, it might be some other philosophical principle. But when people are really, really solid in their beliefs, 
then all the bullshit and all the attacks that come on them don't break their spirits. Mm-hmm. And the spirit is the big one. If we could keep our spirit, whether it's people saying their prayers every day, whether it's people having some kind of centre, but that's what people really, really need. G.K. Chesterton wrote that when people don't believe in something, they'll end up believing anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to throw that thought out there. Whatever it is that you have got a firm grip on as an immutable principle, that's what you have to keep a hold on, no matter what they do with 5G uh, manipulation of your brainwaves, whatever. There are people who can resist that if they are powerful enough in their own beliefs. And that's what we that's where we, we need to go, whether you believe the American Constitution. I believe that. I think the American Constitution is the finest thing that's ever happened in the, the political uh, the evolution of humanity. Uh, whether you believe in the Catholic Church or some Reformed Church or some other faith, stick to those fundamentals. I'm like yourself. I was brought up Catholic. I've got more problems with it now. Uh, and I've looked around and found other things but I still believe in God I still believe that God uh, created the world now I'm going to hold to that, I don't care what they say I'm going to hold to that, I know God exists I know America's got the best constitution I know that there are two Americas I know that there's a a subversive America a spook America that's, that's, that's trying to destroy America but the actual principles that America was founded on are the best we've ever come up with yet. And people need to hold fast to that, even if they're not Americans, like I'm not an American, to my misfortune. But all around the world, people are looking to that. And whatever else happens, whether it's uh, a planned testosterone reduction or whether it's some other form of invasion into our bodily sovereignty, I still believe that the spirit rises above that if you are powerful in your convictions. And that's what I wanted to say there. Jerry, whenever you call in, I always love it because I know I'm just going to be able to sit back and let you just uh, hit hit several nails. And, I'll, and I think, once again, there's probably many people out there that are like, let's find a way to get Jerry to be, let's get him his citizenship, damn it. Let's do it. <laughs> no, it's, you, you, you always... One, one of my remaining ambitions in life uh, is to find my way, one way or another, to New York and to hang out with you for a week, you and Rob, and or and all the rest, of it, and just you know shoot the breeze. That is we'll, that is something I would absolutely love. We'll do it. We'll find but, uh, we'll find a roof. We'll find a rooftop, a rooftop cafe somewhere, and we'll uh, and we'll just uh, just talk the night away. It'll happen one day. Got to believe it. I hope so. Yes. Hope so. All right, God man. Bless you. I'll let somebody else come on now and uh, roll on Monday. Oh, are we doing a boot club tonight? Yes, we are. I'll be on, and I'll, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna wrap up. You know what? You you. Thank you for everything, Jerry, and uh, and I'll and I'll talk to you soon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, that's where I want to end. Uh, that's exactly where I want to end, and you'll see why. Jerry just gave me uh, a wonderful, a wonderful segue into my parting shots for tonight. A wonderful segue. And that's what we're going to get into right now. 
So when I was, and I'll save all these other things that I had you guys writing into me about uh, for another time. They were off topic, awesome as well, but they're a little mini topic, so I'll save them for next week. But I want to read something to you. I mean, I, I my, or I want to show something to you. I got myself, a, I got, a, got you a, a video over here. But um, maybe a note, first of all, to start. I want to go to all the Super Chats, make sure that I got all these Super Chats, because no more Super Chats after I do this, because I'm going to end the show right after it. So um, and I won't be able to answer any of your Super Chats after this. So please, be, instead, become a monthly sponsor or send a PayPal, and I will reach out like I do with every time that happens and message you and say thanks, and we can have an exchange, and that'll be fine. So right now, we're good with the Super Chats there. Thank you, Serendipity665 says, thank you, Frank. Your shows get me through the night. That's on Rumble. I can't thank you enough. Selling the Farm says, thanks for a great week, Frank. See you. See you on the flip side. And then over on Foxhole, Winston Dave Cave Toad says, what do you think the chances are we can ever see Chris Ann as a Supreme Court justice? I don't know. I, I, honestly, I think she's uh, best served doing what she's doing. Um, yeah, she would be there over over the course of a lifetime, uh, casting important votes. Maybe she would be in a majority, or maybe it would just be a minority. She'd just be swallowed up by a majority of creeps, and and then we're just what we have Chris Ann Hall as just somebody who writes really awesome dissenting opinions. I'd rather have her traveling the country, educating generations of Americans and turning them into historians and young uh, uh, educators. And that's, that's, what I, I, that's what I think. Just always remember, always remember, five, there's over 5 million. There's a 17% uh, uptick in homeschooling. There's over 5 million American children being homeschooled in modern day now. Whereas you go back to 1970, it was something like 7,000 or something ridiculous. That's a lot of lives saved, ladies and gentlemen. That's a lot of lives saved. So that's what I would say about Chris Ann Hall. Keep doing what you're doing, please. Please don't change a damn thing. All right, so with that out of the way... <clears throat> I want to play you one of my favorite scenes from the movie Moneyball. I got to watch Moneyball. It's a very short scene. It's like a minute and a half. But I got to watch Moneyball again uh, when I was sick. And it's it's just an incredible film. It really is. I mean, it's the story, for those of you who don't know, it's the story of Billy Bean, who's the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. It's a baseball team in California. And it's a story of how he reinvented the process of assembling baseball teams so that a ball club with limited financial capabilities could actually compete with these these monster organizations like the the the, uh, the New York Yankees which especially around 2000 2002 were spending hundreds of millions of dollars on salaries nobody could keep up and whenever they had young stars coming up through their their uh, farm team they would lose them to free agency because nobody can pay them like teams big market teams like the Yankees. So he was in this position to figure out how can he compete? How could he compete? And um, Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt are cast in this, and they're both just fantastic. They're both fantastic. And uh, anyway, in this scene, 
in this scene, Jonah Hill, who's trying to convince Billy Bean to defy what traditional talent scouts are saying about what you need to do to rebuild a competitive team, to do the impossible. He's trying to convince Billy Bean, Brad Pitt, to try something new and just go for it. But there's just a, there's there's trepidation on the side of Billy Bean because something new, the risks taken, it means there could be an em- embarrassment there. There could be failure there, public failure, and perhaps the end of his career. Who knows? So Jonah Hill pulls up a video of a uh, this big catching prospect, a catcher that they have. He says it's like 250 pounds. He's uh, overweight and all that, and he's in their minor league system somewhere. And apparently he has a reputation of never going to second base. So if he hits something in the gap, he will never try to stretch a single to a double. He just keeps it, and he, he, he believes he, he can't do it. But of course... He doesn't run well, but in this instance, the player decides he's going to go for it. He's going to try to stretch a single into a double. And I want to play this minute and a half for you. It's, um, it's one of my favorite scenes in this movie, and it's a great film. So here we go. The Visalia Oaks and our 240-pound catcher, Jeremy Brown, who, as you know, scared to run to second base. This was in the game six weeks ago. This guy's going to start him off with a fastball. Jeremy's going to take him to deep center. Here's what's really interesting. Because Jeremy's going to do what he never does. He's going to go for it. He's going to round first, and he's going to go for it. Okay? This is all of Jeremy's nightmares coming to life. Now, for those of you in podcast land, the nightmare is he rounded first to go to second. He tripped over his feet. He fell flat in his face. And now he's crawling back to first base to just retreat to what he uh, he always used to just settle for. Oh, they're laughing at him. And Jeremy's about to find out why. Jeremy's about to realize that the ball went 60 feet over the fence. He hit a home run and didn't even realize it. So why do I bring this up tonight? Well, Jerry, uh, Jerry really got a lot of things brewing inside of me. I was, I was already going to do this, but his call was so perfect. That's how I knew I had to stop the show. Very powerful message there. Uh, fear, in particular. Fear, especially the fear of failure, the fear of humiliation, imperfection. Okay, It gives you tunnel vision. It gives you tunnel vision. It makes you indecisive. I know because I deal with it all the time. I deal with it all the time. But fear fear in and of itself is not the problem. It's not a problem. You can work with fear. And I guess that, uh, I guess what is the problem 
what is the biggest problem is when that fear prevents you from noticing all the ways in which you have actually succeeded. And many of you, many of you out there actually are much greater than you actually give yourself credit for. So that's what it comes down to for me, especially. Um, I've got my wife, my friends, family, but this audience, Jerry is a representation of so many of the wonderful emails that I get, wonderful emails that I get from people. Um, and that, that's a representation there of those types of forces in my life that sobered me to that fact more times than I could ever count. So I wanted to leave you this, this nice little metaphor. I want to leave you this nice little metaphor as we go into the, uh, the weekend because, I don't know, maybe you can carry that energy into the weekend and go easy on yourself and try something new, even if it fails. So that's that. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much for hanging with me on this Friday evening. The book club stream will be starting a few minutes after this one concludes on quitefrankly.tv and on DLive. So I hope to see you there. All the best to you and all the best to yours. I'll catch you on the flip side. Be the
sometimes.